Welcome. That story never gets old. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a pleasure it is to be here. I, um, I have to tell you, I feel so fortunate to have dropped into fellowship at this period in my life. Um, in the, prof the prophet Joel said that young men will have visions and old men will dream dreams. And even, even as a lead pastor for many years, I dreamt about being a missions pastor. Um, was so involved with that as a, as a lead pastor. And so to come at this age uh, now and to be dropped into a church that has done so well, you know, I feel like Brian, which I haven't met, um, and then Susan built this wonderful foundation for me to just follow, to fall into. And, and um, yeah, it's just such a privilege. So yeah, as Robert said, we've been coming here for two and a half years. I've got to know many of you. And so it's really a pleasure to be sharing from God's word this morning. So thank you. Luke chapter two. Luke chapter 2. Um, one of my, I love family uh, Christmas traditions. Many of you probably have some. Mine are a little awkward. I'm going to share one with you. It might be awkward for you, but I really ask for some participation. The first service did great, by the way. So I'm just setting you up. So my aunt, for as many years as I could remember, would either come to our house on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, and if she wasn't able to make it, she'd always call and do the same thing. She'd always say, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. And so I know it's going to be awkward for you, but just, you know, for me, would you, could you do that? Can you? Okay, here we go. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. <gasps> Man, you guys did better than the second service at Brentwood. Thank you. That was awesome. Oh, of course, Christmas time around our house was always so special. Uh, my brother and I shared a room when we were kids. Um, I was probably eight or nine years old. I remember one Christmas Eve, we were in our bedroom, um, wide awake. It had to have been midnight, just wide awake, just wondering what is going to be under the Christmas tree. And we were talking about the possibilities and all that. It, and as soon as, it wasn't long after that, we heard a car driving up our long gravel driveway. So we jumped up under our beds and we started watching out our window. And no sooner than my dad's pickup truck pulled around the corner, and there it was. In the back of the pickup truck was a tarp covering something, but it was sticking out of the back. It looked like handlebars. And I remember my brother and I jumping up and down on our, our beds, silently screaming, bicycles! And we were so excited, so excited that I don't think we slept a wink that night. One of the traditions that we didn't care for in our house is that we couldn't go look under the tree until 6 a.m. And so up all night, 6 a.m., my brother and I sprint into my parents' room. We're poking and prodding, saying, hey, it's time, it's time. And finally, they got out of bed. We walked out into the living room, and there it was, in all of its glory, a wheelbarrow. <laughs> That's not even the worst of it. It was, had this big red bow on it, and under the big red bow <laughs> was a rake, a shovel, and a hoe. You're like, worst gift ever? How could you do that? Well, to be fair to my parents, I think that same year we got a pony or something. You know, they spoiled us rotten. But the reason I bring that up is the truth is this, that no material gift will ever satisfy the longing in the human heart. 
Satisfaction in life only comes from a gift that impacts us spiritually. And this is what makes the gift of Jesus the greatest gift ever given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is what I love about the story of Christmas. And I love that Brian and the team uh, did that last song. I had not heard that until last week, A Strange Way to Save the World. This is how God works. He works in strange ways, in ways that are so dynamic that it causes to, to draw our attention to this story. And in Luke 2, we are drawn to this beautiful story of a strange way in which the Lord, the Savior, was brought to save the world. It begins in the first seven verses of this strange way of how the Holy Spirit worked through a Caesar and a census in order to direct Mary and Joseph into Bethlehem to give birth to the Savior of the world to accomplish what the Word of God had said through the prophets. And so, yes, it's a strange story, but it's one of those stories that draw us in. My desire this morning is that we would look at this, the story of these shepherds and we would notice some things about these shepherds that would inspire us to do something. We're going to see that they were, they were watching and they were wondering and they were worshiping, which caused them and led them to a way of making Jesus widely known. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful again, Lord, just for this opportunity to open up your word. I pray that the word of God, uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit, would jump off the, page, the words off the pages in this wonderful Bible, Lord, into our hearts, opening our eyes to a greater understanding of how we are to respond to this wonderful day that we call Christmas. And so we just pray now in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So let's, let's pick it up in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And in the same region... They were, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, there's many strange things about the way this begins, but the strangest to me is, why did the angel of the Lord appear to these rank shepherds at night in a field and not to the religious scholars in Jerusalem. Those that had been studying the word and waiting for Messiah their entire life. Why did, they, why did the angel of the Lord come to these shepherds? Shepherds, uh, shepherds in Jesus' time had changed from David's time when they, it was a it was, a, it was a family business. It was a, it was a wonderful business. By the time Jesus came, it was a despised business. The Romans would look at the shepherds and see them as thieves and robbers and having no rights. And the Jews themselves would look at these shepherds and see them as unclean, ceremonial and clean, and not able to come into the temple to worship. And so they were the outcasts of society. So why these shepherds? I think the words same region give us a clue. It was in 1992, my wife and I had just really got to know the Lord, and we went to Israel with our church, and we were taking a bus from Jerusalem to um, uh, Bethlehem, which is about a five-mile drive. We got halfway there, our bus stops in the middle of the road, and our tour guide has us look out to the left-hand side of the bus and says, look, look over here, and what was there was a shepherd and a whole bunch of sheep. And he went on to say, hey, the shepherds in this region back in Jesus' day were the shepherds that were 
looking over this sheep that were going to be used as sacrifice in the temple at Passover. And that just got my wheels turning. It's like, wow, these shepherds, they weren't just watching over the flock at night. They, they were probably watching for Messiah. And it brought that, that more to even a clearer picture when we went into the old town of Jerusalem at that time. If you were to walk around the city streets, there were huge banners everywhere that says, Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming. You see, the, the nation of Israel has been waiting for Messiah to come for thousands of years. And so these shepherds were given an insight to who this may have been. Yes, it is so strange, but only God, only God would visit those in such a low occupation and raise them up to see his salvation. As the shepherds stood there watching, their hearts were filled with fear. But when the angel of the Lord appeared, it left them wondering, why is they here? Look in verse 10 and 12. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. <laughs> a couple strange things here. The first is these shepherds were the first to hear the gospel. The first people to hear the gospel, good news. They were the first one to, to, to hear those wonderful words. I can almost see these shepherds standing on their bed at night in the dark, jumping up and down and silently screaming, Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. It's important that I point out that this good news, the gospel, did something miraculous that only Jesus can do. He replaced fear, the gospel replaced fear with great joy. He replaced fear, not with joy, but great joy. Why? In Luke chapter, or excuse me, in Isaiah chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, there, there was a sign. As, as we saw here, the angel said there would be a sign. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall, shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. These shepherds seeing this and understanding this knew that God was with them and their hearts were filled with great joy. You see, the good news, the gospel should elicit great joy. In fact, I will go as far as to say that we Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet. We should be joyful regardless of the circumstances that are in life. And I really believe this is one of those things that God would have us pay special attention to. I love what Charles Spurgeon wrote. He says, too many Christians are passive in their loss of joy. They need to realize it is a great loss and do everything they can to draw close to God and reclaim that fullness of joy. If any of you have lost the joy of the Lord, I pray you don't think it a small loss. So if there's any of you here today that have a loss of joy and maybe fear in your heart, put your trust in Jesus. Don't think it's a small thing and let him replace that, that fear with great joy. While those shepherds on earth were silently screaming, we see these heavenly hosts in heaven praising. Look in verses 13 and 14. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Why were these angels praising God? What was it that that drew them in, that caused them to praise God? All these heavenly hosts, they had a heavenly perspective. They were there. They were there that Christmas Eve when Jesus stood to his feet from sitting at at the right hand of the Father. They were there as Jesus walked to the edge of heaven and removed his his cloak of righteousness. They were there when he wrapped himself in humanity. They were there when he stepped out of heaven onto earth in this baby's body wrapped in swaddling claws. They were there. They had a heavenly perspective and they begin to praise. I love this picture. In John chapter one, verse 14, we read, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son of the father full of grace and truth. What a beautiful picture of what true praise does. But I really wanna draw our attention to something here. Not only does the gospel bring great joy, it says that it brings great peace. Great peace. Peace. Now, this word peace is, is a, a very familiar word, a Hebrew word, shalom. It means more than just peace in a country. It means well-being and health and prosperity and security and soundness and wholeness and completeness. It has to do more with character than it does with circumstances. Life in the time in which this angel came to the shepherds was a difficult time. The the Caesar was a horrible ruler of the country. The government was raising taxes and unemployment was on the rise and morals were were dropping drastically. And yet the the angel of the Lord and the, the heavenly hosts are praising great peace. In Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, it says, for to us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Father, or um, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Jesus went on to say in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Paul the Apostle later says in Philippians, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The thing that we need to pay attention to here is this peace, the world cannot know. This peace is given to those who have put their trust in Jesus. It's for us. It's for all of us that have decided to walk with Jesus. It's said there that um, who is the peace for? Whom he is pleased, whom God is pleased. God is pleased with anyone that puts their faith and decides to follow Jesus. Are the problems of this world robbing you of your peace? I remember there was a time in our life that it wasn't long after walking with the Lord and, and uh, there were some problems in my life and, and I'm like, oh man, 
I just got to find a place of peace. And so I talked my wife into selling our house and buying a bunch of property up in Big Bear, California. And, and, I, and we had plans drawn for this beautiful house. And I'm just like, oh, this is going to be so great. I'm going to sit out on that porch at the ripe old age of 33, drinking tea and just listening to the wind whistle through the pine trees. Well, everything fell apart. Everything fell apart. And I remember going to my pastor and saying, hey, why, why would God allow all these things to happen, all these problems to rob me of my peace? And this is what he said to me. Peace cannot be found in a place. Peace is found in a person. And when that person rules and reigns in your heart, you will experience perfect peace. Peace isn't found in the place. It's found in the person of Christ, the Prince of Peace. As the shepherd stood in the field at night watching and wondering what was happening, this is what led, happened after that. Luke 2, 15 through 16. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Man, <clears throat> I could almost see these shepherds jumping up and down on their beds, silently screaming, Messiah. These angels of these heavenly hosts, hosts come from the heavens and they start praying. And they just had to bend there in awe, wondering what is going on here. The angels depart and the shepherds look at each other and they go, we got to get to Bethlehem. And so they, they sprint or they made haste to Bethlehem. I can almost see them running into the room where Mary and Joseph and, and the baby Jesus in the manger are laying. I can see them falling on their faces, rising up and blowing kisses to Jesus, which is a Hebrew idiom for worship. You see, when we are watching, when we are wondering, and the angel of the Lord comes to us, it takes us to a place of worshiping. We can't help it. It's just what the Lord does. So often we think of music as, a for, as worship, and it is. It's a form of worship, especially through the book of Psalms. But it's surprising. When you read the whole Bible, you'll find that worship has little to do with, um, with a song. What you'll, re, what you'll learn is that true worship does not require a song. True worship requires a heart. Job laid in the dust and worshiped in affliction. Isaiah trembled and worshiped in awe. Jehoshaphat worshiped in warfare. Da David danced when abandoned. Uh, Hannah worshiped through barrenness. And these shepherds were worshiping as social outcasts. You see, true worship doesn't have to do with circumstances. It has to do with the heart. So what is the result of the shepherds wash, uh, watching, wondering, and worshiping? Let's read on, verses 20, 17 through 21. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at, the at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he called Jesus, 
the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I love this picture because what we see here is that seeing Jesus for these shepherds was not enough. It didn't satisfy them. It didn't bring them, yeah, brought them great joy. They saw Jesus. Seeing Jesus was not enough. They had to share Jesus. They had to share Jesus. They had to go out and they had to make Jesus widely known. Now, I, I've used that word widely and you're probably looking the text, Jeff, that word's not in there. Well, it's not in the ESV, but it is in the New King James. This is what I love about the multitude of translations we have today is that when you read all these different translations, you, you pick up on things that you may not uh, pick up on it had not been reading some of the other ones. So why, why did the translator uh, or the translators of the New King James put this word in there? Well, the Greek word that's used there for widely is defined in two ways. First, it's defined as including a great variety of people. Secondly, it is spread among a large number or over a large area. Now, I love this because it brings to our attention what I, I believe the translator is really wanting us to leave with. It isn't this when we see Jesus, when we're, when we're watching and wondering and worshiping, that we go make Jesus widely known to our families. Sure, that's part of it. Or even our friends. No, what it's saying is we need to go make Jesus widely known wherever we're going. I love last week that Stefan talked about the Great Commission. The Great Commission was given by Jesus to the disciples 33 years later after his crucifixion. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And I love that, that saying because what he's saying, in other words, hey, as you're going, don't wait, don't wait for the world to come to you. You go out into the world and make Jesus widely known. That's what he's saying. It's like, don't just stay in, in your doors. Now, go out as you're going through the, into the world. Don't wait for the world to come to you. You go out into the world. And what we see after that is not so many days. We see the, the, the day of Pentecost. After Jesus' crucifixion, after he had given the great commission, he told the disciples to go wait in the upper room. You go wait up in your upper room. Keep watch. You can be wondering about what I'm going to do. You should be worshiping, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to fill your heart, and you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea in Samaria and to the utter ends of the earth. And sure enough, on Pentecost, we all know the story. Peter stands up and preaches the good news that brought so much joy, brought so much peace that over 14 different nations, there were at least 14 different languages being spoken there in Pentecost. All of these people immediately received Jesus. They trusted in Jesus. They were baptized. They repented. They were baptized. And they immediately opened up the apostles' doctrine and shared it with one another. They immediately started breaking bread with one another. They immediately started um, praying for one another and having communion together. They immediately, those that had a lot were giving to those that had little. It, it was this immediate impulse because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And what do we see as a result of that? That the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. And this is, how, this is how God wants us as a church, Fellowship Bible Church, to be taking that, what we saw at the beginning of the church, and carrying it through today. And I have to say, 
I've been here for two and a half years. I've seen the Generous God um, series, and I've seen the Follow series, and I've seen, this is my second or third global Christmas, and each year I'm like, wow, these people are amazing how God has moved in their heart. It's caused me to wonder. In verse 18 of Luke 2, it says, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. In the NIV, that word wondered is translated amazed. In the New King James, it's marveled. So the question is, what was it that the, they were amazed over? What was it that made them marvel? What, what made them wonder? I think it was two things. I think it was the shepherds sharing the story. These outcasts of society are out there with great boldness, who had been isolated, who had been cast out of the society, are now out making Jesus widely known. But it's more than that. I believe it was the way they were making Jesus widely known that really caused them to wonder is that all of a sudden these social outcasts, these guys that had been out in the field alone, were sharing the good news that they had heard, the gospel of Jesus Christ, with great joy and great peace in spite of their circumstances. And I love this because when we think about who we are and where we live today, we have this this unique opportunity to be the most joyful people on the planet. Yeah, things in this world are not great. I'm not saying that they'll ever be great. I don't know. Only God knows that stuff. What I do know is that God has positioned you and I at this particular time to make Jesus widely known. I love that it went on to say Mary, Mary had a little bit of a different response. And the reason Mary's response was to, to reserve herself and to ponder over these things is because she had been amazed for nine months. Like, how did this, did this really happen to me? Because what she realized was there's nothing impossible for God. I love our motto, less under the tree, more for the world. Less under the tree, more for the... I'm going to do you all a great favor. Kids, you're going to love this. Parents, maybe you'll love it too. If you are here today and you're thinking, you know, it would be really fun to get my son or my daughter like a wheelbarrow. (laughs) Don't do it! Because in 55 years from now, they could be sharing from the pulpit about you giving them a wheelbarrow where you could instead... Take the global Christmas magazine that you should have got in mail. There's one out in the lobby for you. And as a family, look through it. Read about our local partners. Read about our global partners. And as a family, pray about how, how God would use you not to give your kid a wheelbarrow, but to give a gift to one of our missionaries. You see, this is, this is how the Lord wants to work in and through us. One of the things that just continually blows my mind is how God continues to work so powerfully in and through his body. One of the things that drew me to Fellowship Bible Church was the name Fellowship, that koinonia. And I truly see that, but I want to see it more. And I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to help us to work together in accomplishing all that God wants us to do. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for the word of God and for the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us. I know, Lord, statistically, Christmas season is 
some, really statistically the most depressed, depressing part of the, uh, the year. People are going through really difficult times. And so I pray for the body of fellowship church, Bible church, Lord, that we would be inspired to go out into the world, to share the gospel, that people might experience great joy and great peace in the midst of these huge problems in which we are going through each and every day. And so we just pray for a special work of your spirit in and through our lives. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Could you, could you stand with me? One of my favorite passages, um, I think, is a beautiful picture of what true worship looks like. And it's, it's found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. The writer of Hebrews says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, as um, is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Could you, before we sing this last song, could you like turn to one another and stir up a little love and good works and just greet one another and pray together. God bless you guys. <laughs> <laughs>